This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Tao Gar. If I'm saying your name right, nearly screwed that up. <laughs> All right. And you describe yourself as a change agent, and you've got an amazing story uh, about how you studied IT and was super logical and were into computers, and then you gave all that up and went traveling around the world with your new business, helping people with your coaching skills and your intuition. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to Al. Thank you. So, uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, how did you... I mean, that's a very big transformation, right? Go from doing computery stuff and then going into, into coaching. So. Yeah, I studied computer science. I actually hated it. Uh, I was good with... You hated it? I hated it. Why were you doing it? Good question. I guess, like, uh, could be fear, could be, like, the security that came from the money that I would earn or an IT expert. Uh, I, I was born in Israel and... Like I remember like reading the salaries that like IT professionals get and I was like, alright, I'm pretty good with mathematics. It's mm. kind of natural for me, so I'll just go for that. Alright. And, and it seems also a challenge to study computer science and mm-hmm. and I thought, alright, I'm up for the challenge, but I hated it. And actually once I got a job, I even hated the job even more. Wow. Yeah. I was not designed you, to was this like a goal you have to get the most hate into your life? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed the challenge. I, I enjoyed the smart people around me. Mm. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm pretty good in mathematics, so things came naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So that was fun as well. But overall, like, you know, let's say sitting in front of a computer coding, mm. that was not for me. Mm. Yeah. So uh, when did this change? So I got, I think I. <sighs> So around like the age of 27, 28, um, I finished my bachelor degree in computer science, got a project management job, um, and started to hate my job, started to hate my life, like the way like you know, being stuck in traffic for an hour, all those kind of things. And I was supposed to be happy because like, I had a beautiful apartment, I had a nice salary, I got a new car, beautiful girlfriend, everything was supposed to be kind of perfect in that sense. And I asked myself, I remember there was one time I was like really um, angry and upset, and I, and I asked myself, like, when was the last time I was really happy? Like, but not just happy for a day, but happy like for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer was when I was in Australia. So I was mm-hmm. a backpack in Australia, I lived with eight people in one room, mm-hmm. I worked as a dishwasher, mm-hmm. and I was the happiest every day for, for months, I was happy. And so it kind of almost didn't make sense logically, you know, mm-hmm. here you are with a prestigious like position, everything's comfortable, new car, everything, and then on the other side, like you live in one room with eight people mm-hmm. and working as a dishwasher, and so I thought, okay, I don't, I, I can't understand that logically, but what I would do is that I'm actually going to change my life and I'll go to Australia, I decided to go to Australia, and as an excuse, I said I'll do a master's degree in Australia mm-hmm. to get the, you know, student visa and have some structure, so I got like a visa for two years. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that let you escape from this hateful 
experience. Yeah, but then I got back into it again because my master's degree was in IT. Oh. I thought, what would be the easiest degree that I can do oh. that won't require me to actually be like studying hard or whatever. I just wanted to be in Australia mm-hmm. and I went back to Melbourne, right? Just to kind of like, I thought like, okay, mm-hmm. that might be, that might be it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did my master's degree. It was a year and a half. Uh, last year I didn't even go, you know, to the, to the, to, to the university. I was just like, you know, doing the test. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I show up, showed up. And I worked as a bartender. I really enjoyed like the bartending kind of job because it's complete opposite then like a, a programmer kind of mm-hmm. 95 you work at night everyone is kind of happy mm-hmm. like beautiful you know dress nice mm-hmm. and so I enjoyed it but yeah after a year and a half I felt like okay it's time to make a decision well, what I'm going to do in my life I'm 30 mm-hmm. years old mm-hmm. and then my story started yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you decided to not go back to the corporate world so I got to the corporate world uh, for a little bit, all right. Uh, but they they saw potential in me, so they gave me a lot of space, all right. So I was an IT manager, and then I trans- I changed position to a business development manager mm-hmm. with a lot more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And ridiculously enough, I actually started an MBA as well to study yeah. an MBA. Yeah, okay. I'm a growth agent. I just want to grow all the time and. I realized during the MBA that I was designed to be an entrepreneur. Like, I was not designed to be in the corporate world, in the mm-hmm. like, big companies, like be like a cog in a machine. How did you realize that? First of all, they did some tests like uh, Myers Briggs. Mm. You probably know it, mm-hmm. and it's just like it was written. Like I remember re- uh, reading the report. Like you know, it's like mm-hmm. written. Like. Mm. Uh, like, like change agent, uh, entrepreneur, all, all those like words were, were written. And also, again, I didn't enjoy the whole confined university structure. Uh, I remember I took a marketing course, like, uh, and there was nothing about online marketing. Mm. Nothing. Like, so I asked the professor, how come we, we're doing like an MBA uh, about marketing and there's nothing about online marketing? That's the future. And he said, no, 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 we need, just need to follow the book. And follow the rules. Follow the, his, it actually was his book. And, uh, and I was like, all right, that's not serious. Uh-huh. I was like doing it some, something for the certificate. And so yeah. I quit the MBA. Wow. Okay. And then I started to change my life. Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, did you keep all the rational and logical way of being at that point? Or is that where you got more in touch with your intuition? Or? Well, now I'm 40 years old. Uh, definitely it, it developed throughout the years like so mm-hmm. now I'm way more connected to my intuition mm-hmm. uh, than I than I was but yeah for, for glimpses I I was yeah I, I changed a little bit mm-hmm. even getting a bartending job for example you know mm-hmm. once you have a that kind of didn't make sense logically, but I went for it. Mm. And it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. It was fun. Probably a good training ground to hone your intuition because you get some weird characters in bars and you need to intuit yeah. what's going on, what, how you should react. It's a much more uh, changing environment than like being in front of a computer and taking yeah. it out. Right. Actually, I remember like once I finished my master's degree, uh, I was interviewed for a job and and uh, part of the interview I had to just be in front of the computer for a few hours I got the job I started to work and I quit the first day like, mm. I couldn't hear the clicks of the, the 
uh, this like cubicles that yeah. Apple job. I was like, yeah, horrible. Didn't didn't uh, I didn't care how much money I made. I had to quit. So you went down from keeping a job you didn't like for a few years to being in a degree that you stayed in for a year or so before you quit, and then you finally you, you had a job you only stayed in for a day because you just lived yeah. the message. But then again, as I said, I got a good job that like they saw the potential in me in the sense that like they gave me more freedom mm-hmm. in the business, so I could learn whatever I want. I could mm-hmm. take the business in different directions. I really. Um, took the business more into the online world because I saw that's the future and they, and they liked it mm. they really liked it so uh, so yeah I was doing well but even then like I still felt I mean I can go like how I started to travel the world um, even then something felt like too confined you know mm-hmm. just being in a job like I have to have to ask a permission from a boss you know mm-hmm. certain things there was one moment where uh, my parents had a car accident, and David in Israel, I lived in Australia, and I asked, I had to ask my boss for permission to fly. And I was like, this is this is ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I, I need more of my freedom. Yeah, so that's an important value for you, your freedom. Yeah, freedom and growth, my top values. All right. <laughs> and is this when you changed your name as well? Or? Well, I changed my name just before I flew to Australia. Oh, okay. Just before. Uh, I didn't really change the name because I felt like spiritually or intuitively I need to do that. Like it just, mm-hmm. um, I just felt it, all right, and it made sense. And then a lot of things happened from it. Like, you know, I, again, I flew to Australia, I became a bartender, I traveled the world, I became an entrepreneur, um, a little bit more flowing than the, than the years before, where it was more mm-hmm. like logical, again, computer science. Very like career based, step by step. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the changing your name had anything to do with that? Or? Yeah. Now, nowadays, I, I, I think yeah, there, there might be like uh, something there. And how was? How did you pick a new name? I'm kind of curious. Um, I just like uh, took the last name. I just shortened it. It was mm-hmm. really like very random, to mm-hmm. be honest. But nowadays I know that like it's not that random, right? So uh, yeah. And you said you told me earlier that you you know evaluated if the name was good using numerology. Well, only a year ago. Only a year ago. Only a year ago, I was like, just started reading a little bit about numerology, and I was like, oh, let's check the different numbers uh, with the previous name and my name currently. Yeah. And then I realized, oh wow, they're so different. Actually, they so fit the description. Fit it so well mm-hmm. that the type of personality I was before changing the name and the type of personality I was after changing the name. Are you okay sharing your old name? Yeah. What? It was Zaguri. So it's Tal Zaguri. And now it's Tal Guru. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there's different energy there. Yeah. But that's interesting that you could see with, by studying the numerology that it had different energy. Yeah. Last year I, I got more, I had a, I did the year of spirituality. So every year I did like mm-hmm. different different focus like different mm-hmm. area. Yeah. And so it was the year of spirituality. So I really started to read a lot of things about astrology, numerology. I was open. Mm-hmm. I was really yeah. open. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting for changing a personal name, but it's also useful if you're picking a product name or a company name to look at the energy that has in it and numerology and astrology of those of both ways. Yeah, I, I met, uh, I was in Bali last year and I met like a, 
uh, astrology is funny. Actually, like, I realized you can, the day or the date you actually start a company also kind of matter in that sense. So, absolutely, that's how you do astrology on a company. You yeah, I didn't know where those come from. So, more, uh, now, nowadays I'm more open. Yeah, more open to different philosophies. Uh, I mean, some business uh, people in China deliberately form a company on a certain date and time and place for that very reason. How interesting is that? Yeah, because they believe it will bring greater fortune and luck. Yeah. Um, so, it is interesting. So, you changed your name, you're now traveling around, you're coaching people, you're doing a lot of goal challenges. I know you wrote a book uh, on writing all these goals. You, you achieved 100 goals right over 10 years. Yeah, I'm actually writing a book right now called The Art of Living Lessons Learned from Pursuing 100 Life Goals in 10 Years. Mm. Um, yeah, 10 years ago I said like 100 Life Goals. Uh, were these like little teeny goals or were these bucket lists? No, it's, it's like a big life goals. Big so, life goals. Like what's an example? Um, achieving financial freedom, uh, doing an Ironman triathlon, mm. uh, getting a residency, like Australian residency, mm. those kind of big goals. So they're pretty big. Yeah, I mean, I divided them to 10 categories. Mm-hmm. And so every category was also, in some ways, there was like intermediate goals for the big goals. For example, to do an Ironman triathlon, uh, there were some goals along the way to actually like get me ready to actually achieve, achieve the big goal. Mm-hmm. Also, the financial freedom. The first goal I think was to earn I think one thousand dollars a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. And. That could be hard as well, you know. It's not necessarily easy for someone who's just starting out. Uh, Often earning the first dollar is the hardest dollar. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So those kind of goals. And then how did your intuition play into picking those goals and achieving them? Uh, Sometimes, again, it was so random. Like uh, the Ironman Triathlon, um, I just saw it on TV. Uh, I was in a bar. And... uh, you know, being in a bar for two hours, drinking, whatever, and then I realized on the TV it's still the same race, the same, tra- same triathlon race. Mm. Long race. Yeah, it's a long race. Actually, like, uh, Iron Triathlon, uh, it's like around 10 hours or 11 hours or 12 hours. And uh, I just, like, told one person, like, I'm going to do that one day. It felt, like, so big and so, like, inspiring what mm. you're doing. And uh, I didn't pay attention, you know, to what I said. I was in the bar, drinking, whatever. But then a few years later, um, the opportunity came up. I felt like it's time to actually take my fitness to the next level. So again, as I said, every year I chose like a different area of focus. Mm-hmm. And so, why, why did you choose a different area each year? Because I really, I really believe in growth. All right, and so. I looked at my life, I could be doing very well with my career, but that's not really a life experience. That's not, I mean, it's just one area of life. I wanted to be very good in uh, knowing my body, like fitness-wise, I wanted to have good people skills, so I had a year of socializing. I think like as human beings, sometimes we just focus on one area and then neglect other areas, like let's say relationship or very important areas, you know, and so I wanted to be good in life, not just good with computers, mm-hmm. you know, understanding life and actually like fully living. Mm. Yeah, so that's something that was really strong in my mind. Mm. Now, you told me earlier that you, you had a experience of not listening to your intuition when you moved 
to a foreign country one time. Yeah. I, tell, tell us how you knew that your intuition was saying not to do it. Well, I think nowadays I know my body's smarter than my mind, you know? Uh, so I really listen to my body. Uh, nowadays. Yeah. There was a point like two years ago where my part, my ex-partner and I were thinking of moving to the U.S. She wanted us to move to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about that. And every, like the first time we talked about it, I remember like the, the my body, like I wanted to vomit. And I wasn't sure where did it come from because I didn't eat anything or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling her, I don't know what's happening here, but this conversation somehow, something happened happening in my body. Mm-hmm. And there were... Something, I mean, it's yeah. pretty major. You know, it wasn't like a small twitch in your left toe. You wanted to vomit. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly enough, also, like, in the U.S., I, I started to develop, like, a, um, like an illness, mm. tinnitus, tinnitus, whatever, how do you spell it? Ringing in the ears. Ringing in the ears, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have a theory about that I'll share in a moment. Yeah. I, I remember going to, like, uh, to doctors, you know, yeah. specialists, and they told me, like, this is incurable. Like, yeah. you're probably going to have it for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, the minute I left the U.S., like uh, I changed, like so I, I got my hearing. Back. Yeah. Should I share one? Yeah, sure. So often for me, ringing in the ears is spiritual messages from angels or guides, and they're communicating in a way that I'm not hearing the message. It comes in as ringing. Uh, and if I ask them to, hey guys, you know, I'd like to hear what you're saying, but I, all I'm hearing is ringing. Can you like show me the message another way? The ringing stops. I, I'll get the message. Either I'll hear it or I'll get some sign or another. Yeah. Um, that works for me. Yeah. So I'm guessing that you had your angels and guides were probably trying to tell you stuff, and you weren't hearing it, and they didn't. You know, you didn't ask them to tell you in a different way. But as soon as you didn't need the message anymore and you'd left the country, it went away. It's interesting. I left the country. For the first time in my life, I didn't have a plan. Mm. I remember looking at the wall. Wasn't that frightening? Yeah, it was scary. It was scary because I always had some kind of a plan. All right? And for the first time, looking at the wall map, and I can go anywhere. Uh, because I have an online business, you know, it can support me anywhere. And mm. nothing was like, I was like, where do I go? I don't know. Mm. Uh, I decided to go to Israel for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of uh, visiting the family. And just there, like, I, I, first of all, like, you know, my, the illness, I had back pains, I couldn't fall asleep, all, everything disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly, suddenly I started to get clarity. Clarity of, so, for example, I had this hundred light balls list or whatever. I looked at it, and one of them was learn, learning to dance salsa. Mm. And I said, "All right, I'm going to dance salsa in Colombia. I'm going to fly to Colombia and dance salsa." That just felt right. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I neglected the list, the hundred goals list, but it was almost like it's interesting now writing a story about these hundred light balls. It all makes sense. I can connect the dots. But back then, I was, it was just like a list, fun thing, you know, to do. Um, just kind of interesting, kind of so writing your dream. So something bigger came out of going to Colombia. Yeah, like I, I, was, I took the list seriously. Yeah. So uh, in the sense that, like, okay, I'm actually that that is saving me, like because I wasn't, I didn't know where to go. What to, mm. I felt right, like, like okay, 
when I looked at the list, I was just reviewing it, and then I was dancing salsa, learned to dance salsa, and it just felt right. Mm. It felt right, and I could even explain it logically, because I was a lot in my mind, so dancing, you go back to your body, it was, it was good mm-hmm. for me, you know? And, uh, and uh, yeah, I had intuition to just do it. And I remember mm-hmm. telling like my family, I'm actually going to dance salsa in Colombia. And they said, well, you can dance salsa here in Israel. Why flying all the way to Colombia? I said, because it feels, it feels right intuitively. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel mm-hmm. I need to go, where I need to go. And since then, like, yeah, I'm, I feel, yeah, intu- yeah, it really, really helps. So that's a good technique for picking something. You know, if you have a list of different options, whether it's a list of different prospects you might phone or whether it's a list of different places you might go or different products you might launch, feeling through the list and which one feels right yeah, is yeah. a way to hear your intuition's message. And also I was open. I was mm-hmm. open so I could actually like... You could hear. I could hear, yeah. yeah. If I was like too much in my mind, I would look at the list, I might not see it or I might not feel it because yeah. I'm in my mind. I'm not connected to my body. I'm not connected mm-hmm. to my intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. We tune out. The intuition is often a quiet voice, and it's easy to turn up the music in our mind. Just like we have, if you're in a car and you have a GPS, you can hear, you know, the turn left, turn right. Or if you crank up the music, you don't hear anything. Yeah, that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I think intuition is a bit like a GPS. It kind of gives us guidance, but it's up to us to decide whether we want to take the guidance or not. Yeah, being being logical, uh, I didn't believe in intuition. You know, I was like, okay, I always try to explain it, mm. understand, it, put it, put boundaries, put like labels, definitions. That's what the mind wants. Yeah, in some ways, a bit like your employers putting you in a cubicle. So yeah, you have to be controlled. Something like that. <laughs> now it's different. Now I listen. Hmm. So, you talked earlier to me about the guided universe. Can you tell us a bit about that? What that means to you? Well, basically, I trust the universe. Um, the universe is not that random. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those synchronicities that can happen, we can always find, like, all right, that's a coincidence, that's a coincidence. But when a lot of synchronicities happen, and that's something that happened to me, like, one after another, it just didn't make sense. Like, didn't make sense to label them as coincidences. Right. So, when you have a lot of synchronicities in your life, I, I realized, yeah, I personally realized, okay, it's not that random, the universe is guiding, and all I have to do is just to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I listen. So even writing these books that, uh, that I'm writing right now, that was, that was listening. Mm. Yeah, it didn't come from a logical camp because I, I never saw myself as an author. I never, you know, I never thought I'd take this story like and publish it. It was just uh, something fun to do. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like okay, that could be bigger. That that's something uh, something I need to do. Mm. And it came up a few times. I resisted it, and it came again. So this is another thing. Like, it, if there's something strong, uh, if something, if there's something that is really needed, it will come up a few times. That's my personal experience. Yeah, I've had that experience too. Um, depending on what the message is, it, it may come back, and that's often a clue that it is a message from the intuition. It comes mm. in several different ways. Um, I also find that with messages from my body that 
um, if I have a pain or a d- disease in part of my body, that's usually a message. Yeah. If I just hear it, it gets, you know, that part of the body gets better. I really recommend people in general to actually know themselves better. Even if they don't like, even if they're like suspicious about the whole notion of intuition or like they don't really like, they're still questioning it. Mm-hmm. Just to delve into knowing yourself better. Because once you know yourself, really know yourself, you know why you're here. And then the whole idea of a guided universe makes sense. So if someone wanted to know themselves better, how would they go about that? Well, there's, there's not like you can take a course there. I know. There's different <laughs> philosophies, though. I mean, like you've got uh, Ayurveda, uh, where they divide people to... You know, three types, main types. You've got astrology. You've got uh, even even Jung and Mars Briggs and whatever. Like the divide personalities. Like if you go to 16personalities.com mm-hmm. and do the test there, you realize how accurate it can be. Like the type of person like you are, and that that's a hint. It's more a psychological test, mm-hmm. and it, but it gives like. A, another layer to realize oh okay I I am that type of person that's uh, so the, when when people ask me who are you Tao in that sense uh, in the past I used to answer I am whoever I want to be because I could always change and I proved myself that I can, I can be that type of person that type of person but there's an interesting part where if I look at my life certain values never change never and in my essence, that's who I am. The parts that, are, that never change. So, for example, if you're a lawyer, you can always change it. You can be someone else, a banker, so you're not a lawyer in your essence. Or if you're a Jewish or Christian, you can always change your religion, so you're not a religion. Same thing with the country that you're born. But, like, for example, in my case, I'm, I'm a growth agent. I'm, I'm always, always, throughout my entire life, wanted to grow, love to grow, more than most people I know, and that has never changed. So, in my ex- essence, that's who I am. And there's other people like that. Mm. Um, speaking about guided universe, like, when you realize that, you realize, oh, wow, that's interesting. It's, again, it's not that random. Mm. So there's some guiding energy that helps you if you listen to it. Yeah, like you have an essence, uh, I have an essence, everyone has a certain essence. And if you know your essence, again, the parts that never change, you can know why you're here. And, and it's actually more fun to live your life knowing why you're here versus like, uh, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, yeah, way more fun and it's also you more, uh, you have more inner peace in that sense. So, you talked about, you know, hearing guidance from the universe and your intuition um, and how it's not always easy for people to try, for you to trust that initially when you first encountered it. Mm-hmm. How, how did you grow? It sounds like you now trust your intuition really well. Yeah, because uh, when I didn't listen, I realized that my, actually my body started to fall apart. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like the ringing in the ear and back pains, whatever. It was like even things that it, in the beginning I didn't actually pay attention to. So I was always a runner. I always uh, I ran marathons, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got injured. I got injured in my uh, head Achilles tendonitis, mm-hmm. and I, I suddenly couldn't run anymore. Just couldn't run. Wow. Um, 
a lot of things happen again. Like in terms of my, I started to collapse. My, my, I lost, I lost my sense of self. I lost, uh, uh, you know, kind of illnesses. When you get to a point, when you get to that point, you start to listen. Mm. You start to be more open. Well, yeah. You either listen or you get worse and die. You know. Yeah. Perhaps some people are so stuck and like they're not willing to change. Sure. I think I'm lucky because I love to change. I love change. You know, so it doesn't scare me to change. Mm. Um, so I was willing to change. Uh, and that's actually what kind of saved me in that sense and brought me back into my intuition, brought me back, let's say, on course. Now I'm on course, but it was off course. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, as someone who's really good at change, what, what would you say to people who are having difficulty making changes in their life in particular? If they want to follow their intuition more and they're finding that hard to do, how could they change? Well, one thing they can always think about is what is the worst that can happen? Because a lot of time we imagine the worst, like you mm-hmm. imagine uh, things that it's not really like so bad. You can always go back to your old life. Mm-hmm. So almost treat, treat changes as experiments, mm-hmm. right? Whatever. Let's say you're a smoker and you want to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay, do a 30-day experiment of mm-hmm. kind of not smoking, design it right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be the key. Just kind of treating life as a series of experiments versus like fixed, safe, comfortable, this is who I am. If you open it a little bit, I'm going to, yeah, experiment a little bit here. Mm. I'm not going to change dramatically. I'm going to change who I am, whatever. Mm. just want to do a 30-day. Maybe like you've got a feeling that you need to maybe travel. Take a 30-day travel trip. Mm. And you can always go back to your old and see how you feel once you're in it, once you change. Like see how you feel. Mm. Because sometimes when you're stuck in your mind, you, you don't you don't know you don't know what you don't know you you can't sense it but once you actually go into the other version let's say you move to another country you can really feel oh wow I feel good here like maybe that, maybe that's something maybe it's something I should do and and kind of listen to the body the body is smarter it tells you you know it tells you that's right that's wrong so it's almost we have an internal GPS yeah it tells you where to go just yeah. you just need to listen right turn up the volume on GPS turn down the volume on all the yeah. monkeys chattering in the mind but if you don't change if you don't go to those experiments the mind might continue to be on a loop because you're in a certain environment you're in a certain kind of situation mm-hmm. once you do the experiment you really give it a chance you really give it a chance to kind of like okay like this is a, this is a time to Again, experiment. It's time to quieten the mind to see how I feel. Mm-hmm. You get you get a little bit out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. and and you can listen. Now, I know some people have difficulties change because they have beliefs that get in their way. And you said something to me over lunch about beliefs. Yeah, so uh, we all have beliefs. It's almost kind of the operating system. Um, in some ways, that's also kind of re- regulate our emotions in some way. Like, for example, if I believe that uh, rainy day right now is not that good, like I might have seven emotions right now. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I open my beliefs and say every day, even a great day is a great day, then I feel much better. My emotions will change. So beliefs in some ways is everything because it's, it's the filters we see the world. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talked about lunch, I told you the most important belief is the belief about your beliefs. So what do you believe about beliefs? All right? And what I believe is that beliefs are not the truth. 
it's certain like statements that I take and I make them true for the moment and I'm open to change them and that's very empowering so tell us a bit more about that if, that if beliefs are not the truth what is the truth well that's, every person has to figure it out on, on his own but uh, in some ways I mean we can speak about what is the truth but it will always be subjective because it's again I still have beliefs uh, maybe subconsciously and this like what I'm trying to say everything is still filtered through my beliefs so the truth for me is always in the moment so I can tell you the truth is X right now and maybe a year later I will tell you a different truth and that doesn't scare me you know it can, it can, it can scare people alright well, you know hundred years ago like you know people believe that the earth is flat really they, they believe that you know that's a belief and now we believe it's like you know uh, planet Earth, and we. Be, but it can always develop. It can always develop. We can learn more and more and more and more. Therefore, I per- personally keep myself very open. And also, I'm choosing beliefs that beliefs that empowering me. Like I'll give you an example. I'm writing a book right now. If I have a belief that I'm a crappy author, all right, and I wasn't designed to write this book, then like the reality that I will experience, like writing the book would be very unsatisfying. I wouldn't enjoy necessarily the process. So I'm changing my belief. Mm. Just like that. Because again, I don't believe the... So it's like putting on a new pair of clothes. Yeah. Like this other other thing, pair of pants I was wearing didn't fit too good, the color didn't look good on me, I'm just gonna change them to a different pair of pants. If this belief doesn't feel good, it's not serving me, it's not useful, just take it off. Yeah. Try on some other clothing as an experiment for 30 days. When I do that with people, like the whole kind of belief exploration process, it's really hard to just drop a belief just like that. They well, ask me, what, what do you mean? mean? Like, they may have been wearing that pair of pants for the last 40 yeah. years. And, you know, and I always say, yeah. <laughs> I always say that, like, every belief serves you to, to some extent. Even, like, let's say, Let's say you want inner peace and you're uh, in a state of anger, even the anger serves you. So we hold belief because on some level, secondary kind of level, they serve us. Mm-hmm. Maybe some beliefs like keeping us like small, and that's pretty nice. We don't need to be up there and fail, mm-hmm. you know, so... So it's keeping us safe, it's trying to protect us. Yeah, a lot of those beliefs. So once you actually realize those things, you and you, you have more choice. You have yeah. more choice to choose different beliefs. But again, the most important belief is to belief about beliefs. If you don't believe that you can change beliefs like in a split second, yeah. that's that would be your reality. Sure. It's gonna be hard. Right. I mean, one thing I found useful in this is the work of Byron Katie. Uh, which, What's the truth? And yeah, is this belief really true? Is it absolutely true? How do I feel when I believe it? How do I feel when I don't believe it? And some reverses. And that's often enough going through that process to change beliefs. So mm-hmm. that's a, a cool tool for that. Um, so. Yeah, being able to change your beliefs sounds really important. Now, I know you mentioned earlier you really don't... You you used to live in a lot of fear when you were in this corporate job and doing things you didn't like doing. And now you are prepared to just do whatever your intuition says and you don't have so much fear. I trust my intuition now there's 100%. Okay. Even though I know that sometimes I might 
kind of misinterpret. Like I might, I might think something is my intuition, but it, it could be a fear. You know, right. sometimes it's hard to identify. Mm-hmm. Is that really my intuition, or is that like just my mind speaking or something like that? Mm-hmm. That's that's a skill like by itself. But I'm willing. I'm willing to uh, accept that, which means like I'm following my intuition and it wasn't the right thing, quote to quote. Uh, I'm still prefer that than questioning my intuition mm-hmm. and say, ah, oh, you know, I'm 90% following my intuition. No, now I'm 100%. It could be uh, what relationship to get in, it could be what business to start, it doesn't matter, 100%. Even like this conversation we're having right now. Mm. Cool. So you find that reduced the amount of fear you experience by trusting your intuition 100%? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to fear about, really, when you think about it. So even, you know, one of the motivations I have for writing this book is that things are changing in the world more and more rapidly. Technology is changing, society is changing. And it's hard to keep up as a business with all the change and all the decisions that have to be made if we have to make all of them rationally. You know, it, it's much quicker to make decisions using intuition and make them the, turn out correctly uh, for you. Yeah, you just have to be out of your mind, like not stuck in your mind in that sense, you know? Yeah. But I, I'll be your first customer, really. Like, I'll write the topic, yeah. Yeah, it's very, you know, to me it's inspiring because if, if all the businesses on the planet you run using intuition as well as their rational mind. Just think how much more efficient all those businesses would be, how much happier all the people working in them and customers of them would be. And I don't think we have all these crazy things some businesses get up to that are very destructive now. Mm. Just because that wouldn't make sense to our intuition to do that. Yeah, we live in a very imbalanced world in that sense. Very mind kind of. And so it's time yeah. to bring the world into a more balanced, I would say, feminine essence kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're just tools. Intuition's a tool, rational mind's a tool. Is it getting you what you want in your life? Uh, for me, I don't think the rational mind alone gives me what I want yeah. in my life. What I really like, like you know, uh, sometimes it can look as, as uh, contradictions, let's say the logical mind, the intuitive, whatever, but they, they both serve us. On, on a certain level. So I like to look at it as I can choose in every single moment to either use my logical mind or to use my intuition to talk with them. Sometimes I talk with both of them, you know, because I'm not my mind in that sense. Or even my feelings, all right? Like I'm not my feelings. A lot of people identify with their feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've done Vipassana, and during Vipassana, you realize that like everything is like it's passing, like every feeling that you have. Mm-hmm. So if, if feelings change, how can how can you identify with them? You know. So, but they still serve us. It's, it's, it, the feelings, thoughts. So I'm not like you know. Uh, Oh, now like okay, I'm just going to follow intuition, and I'm not going to listen to one. That's not the case. As you said it correctly, it's tools. We can always choose what tools to use, and every single moment might need different tools. 
Yeah. yeah. Just for people who don't know, Vipassana is like a multi-day silent retreat sitting in one place for like, is it 10 hours a day or something? Yeah, it's 10 days around, I would say 12 hours a day, like yeah, meditation. Yeah. And you get the opportunity to observe all the crazy thoughts you have and all the wacky emotions. Yeah, you think about your thoughts. Yeah. All right? You observe your thoughts in, in that sense. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you learn to be not so attached to them and not yeah. attached to the emotions they come and go. Yeah, I highly recommend doing that because... Uh, and that's free, right? Apart from it's food. free, yeah. It's all around the world. It's yeah. free. Uh, the food is also free. Like, I think it's just, just a donate. You can donate at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, but you, mm-hmm. you can. Uh, it's just an opportunity. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. Like, 10 days. But if you open... You know, I think for most people, 10 minutes of silence would be pretty extreme, <laughs> you know? I mean, we have we listen to music, we have our phones out, or clicking through social media, we watch TV. You know, many people don't even have 10 minutes of complete peace and quiet each yeah. day. And, but, and that would yeah. be a good place to start, just get a few minutes of peace in your life. Focus on your breath. You know, there's a a yogic technique that I teach in class on yoga, um, which is called minute breath, where you inhale for 20 seconds, you hold your breath for 20 seconds, you exhale for 20 seconds. And if you can't get to a whole minute, you just start off five seconds in, five seconds hold, five seconds out, or whatever number you're comfortable with. And you count in your own head. And the interesting thing is just doing a a short period of minute breath, will totally change how you feel. It'll give you more peace. And no one needs to know you're doing it. You can be in a business meeting that's got a bit crazy. You can be in a discussion in a relationship that you're in. You can be in the supermarket line. You can be at a red light in your car. And you can choose consciously to change your breath. Listening to you, I'm breathing deeply now. <laughs> there you go. And it, well, you do. We talked about this consciously, but it also happens unconsciously. If you're in an argument with your uh, romantic partner and you start to change your breath, they will change their breath mm-hmm. without even knowing it. Same thing if you're in a sales meeting or some other business meeting. You change your breath, other people will change, it will shift how they feel. So it's a powerful tool. Yes. for affecting change. Breathing is definitely... And powerful. everyone is able to, to control their breathing. So It's also like uh, detoxifying, it's great for me- metabolism. Uh, if we knew how beneficial it is, we probably would be way more conscious of the way we're breathing because we definitely breathe uh, more shallow these days. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people breathe shallow. Many people uh, breathe in reverse. They, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you used, I think you may have done yoga, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably know that when you breathe in, ideally your stomach and abdomen comes out as you breathe in, expanding the lungs. And as you breathe out, you contract your stomach. Well, more than half the people in the United States breathe backwards. When they're breathing in, they're pulling their stomach in and it makes the lungs smaller so they get a smaller breath. Mm. So, in fact, if you've ever smoked, uh, smokers typically do that. If you think about it, you put, take an imaginary cigarette to your mouth and inhale, typically you contract your stomach when you do that. I didn't know that. So, yeah, so it's a relearning that can occur there and it totally shifts how you interact with the world because when you have shallow breathing or reverse breathing, um, it just pumps up the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's also I mean something we do every I mean we do it all the time like uh, it makes sense to invest understanding more about the benefits uh, you might you, you can live without eating for days but breathing is not the case so I, I actually in terms of health my prioritization is like breathing is the most important then water then nutrition you know I, I take the 28 approach yeah like what's most important mm-hmm. yeah hugs yeah whatever but um, yeah good that we talked about it yeah I'm conscious to that I'd throw another one before breathing which is connection to the light mm. um you know, connecting to the universal energy uh, is actually more important than breathing, I think. I think, well, for me, because I'm, I was so logical, all right, yeah. and my mind always resisted, like, let's say, sitting and not not thinking, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really hard. Meditation was always a struggle. And it's funny, like, almost everyone I know, like, have some kind of struggle with it, even though we logically know the benefits. Uh, and I really like um, to trick the mind by by telling them, well, I'm just, I'm just going to do a meditation for one minute. That's mm-hmm. it. One minute of breathing is very simple. That's all I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not taking like a challenge of like, I don't know, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes because the mind has more resistance. Yeah. By the way, any habit that you want to change, trick the mind in that sense. Take an experiment, small experiment. Don't let the mind kind of resist to it. Make it so simple. And the magical thing that happens is usually once you sit for one minute, breathe Breathing, you kind of want to do it more. Like it happens on same thing with writing. Like you sit for one minute. I'm just going to write for one minute this morning. Yeah, something like that. And then suddenly you oh, oh, you're really into that, and you're writing for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. I'm just going to make one minute of cold calls. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's probably the best way uh, to change uh, uh, habit. Mm-hmm. Saying that one one more kind of strategy mm-hmm. that I learned is in my case for example I like uh, extremes so I like the, the inspiration that comes from an extreme so for example doing Vipassana like 10 days meditation suddenly I feel more inspired like more energized and I was like okay I'm gonna take it take it on same thing with triathlon you should have been around Jeremy Ginsburg last weekend when he did the ice bath alright yeah <laughs> a bath full of ice cold water you can stay in it for 5 minutes yeah, it's I just uh, had a conversation with him. Similar to me, he also has some health challenges that actually yeah. that brought him back in tune with his body. Right. Yeah. Yeah, bodies are amazing uh, things, <laughs> and it's quite a miracle, really. You got we have um, trillions of cells in our bodies, and even more bacteria living in our body. You know, I think it's, it's like 60 trillion cells that are human cells, and then there's like 600 trillion bacteria that are hanging out well, in our body. And in fact, that might be part of the intuitive mechanism because uh, the gut, you know, the, the belly brain that people talk about, some of that is involved in all those bacteria uh, hanging out there. I have a question for you, actually. How do you, I mean, identify... How do you know what's intuition, what's maybe your fear, or like... Because maybe if you have a lot of voices, how do you know which one to pick? So, 
I find when I connect to the light, you know, that's where I go up, bring light down through my body, and go to the center of the earth, bring it back up through the center of the earth, expand my heart out as large as the universe. When I'm connected to the light, I'm connected to the universal truth. If my energy is contracted, uh, which is typically in a state of fear, your whole energy is contracted, then I have a more local version of the truth. So if I connect to the universal truth, and then listen to my intuition, I'm going to get a better message than if I'm like in a state of fear and contraction. So how would, how would I translate it to something practical in the sense like I'm just sitting and meditating and connecting to my higher truth? That's basically... and then I, Well, it's an exercise where you, you yeah. take your consciousness up. So let's just do the exercise. You, you go up a few thousand miles with your consciousness, close your eyes and do it, and then bring that down through the top of your head, through your throat, chest, down through your tummy, hips, feet, down, 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 through to the center of the earth, feel the love, support, acceptance of Mother Earth, and bring that up through your feet, legs, hips, tummy, heart, throat, head. So now you have light coming from above and light coming from below at the same time. And now expand your heart out as big as the room, as big as the house you're in, as big as the city you're in, across the country, the planet, the solar system, the galaxy, and as big as the universe. So that's what I call Connected to Light. I give you the acronym TLC for To The Light Connect, because TLC in America also stands for Tender Loving Care. So. And this is an act of love to yourself. So that's what I mean by connect to the light. And then then when you listen to your intuition, you're more likely to get accurate mm. information. Now, the other thing you can do is there are many ways to get intuitive information. You know, you can get things, feelings in your body, you may hear words in your head, you might get a knowing, you might um, see something, you might, uh, you know, might have angels that are telling you things. You might see animals that come, you know, unusually appear, you know, sending you a message. Uh, you might use a pendulum. You might use tarot cards. Mm. You know, there are a myriad of different ways you can get into inflation. So, or, or you might talk to uh, someone who is, uh, you know, an intuitive and ask them what they get. You know, they, they can pick up what's in your energy field. So, if you if you have some message and it's like a major life change. I mean, there's a minor thing, like shall I eat Chinese or Indian food? It's like, I don't think it's really going to matter, you know, probably not. So just go with whatever your thing is. You don't need to worry about it. But if it's like, shall I sell my business? Maybe you want to check into it a bit more uh, and get some more messages. And you can ask, the better questions you ask, you know, the more information you get. So, you know, shall I sell my business is one question. You know, another question is how joyful will I feel in six months' time if I sell my business today? So that gives you more information. It might be you feel really happy for three weeks and then you're depressed later. So then you decide, okay, am I going to sell it? Or do I need to sell it and do something else? Or do I need to not sell it? You know, different things you can investigate there from that expert info you get. You could also, in the case of selling it, you're probably selling it to a particular person or company. You could check out how happy you are with the relationship there. Yeah. 
usually in a business sale, it's not like hand over the money in the middle of a, a dark forest one time and you never see them again. It's you're probably going to be involved with this other person and company in a burnout or yeah. other interactions for a while. So you want to check: is there a good relationship here? I would add to that, like I'll emphasize to check how your body responds. Yeah, so it's you so ask questions, mm -hmm. maybe an answer, but like what the body says as well. Like, so you really want to be in tune with your body. Mm -hmm. So yoga, in that sense, uh, is good for good for that. Mm -hmm. um, but any type of movement as well, like just bring yourself back back from the the mind to the body. Now that's the, let me share with everyone a way to do that. If you imagine there's an elevator in your mind that has your consciousness in, and you send that elevator down through your throat to your heart down to your tummy, down to your hips and then notice how quiet your mind has got when you do that that takes your consciousness out of your head and into your body and I'm, sure I'm using the hips because you, you can, some people put it down into their heart but the heart is often filled with emotions and past traumas there's usually a lot more space in the hips, in the body um So uh, that's a good exercise to do, uh, and that if you're ever feeling freaked out, that's a good thing to do. I, I've used that. Um, you know, if I'm taking a walk in the countryside and some someone's dog is getting a little crazy and looks like it's going to attack me, I have played with putting my energy down into my hips, and the dog just gets quiet and leaves. You know, They, animals are very good at picking up information um, mm -hmm. they are psychic you know there's been a scientific study where people's pet dogs were at home and they sent the, the scientists sent off the person on a random trip away from home and they had a computer set off a pager message for the person to tell them they should start returning home so that they're 50 or 100 miles away from home right and they're videoing the dog The moment that person receives the page and they made the decision to return home, the dog changed its behavior. Wow. And it didn't hear the page. It didn't know what the computer was picking. They got more in tune. Yeah, they got more in tune yeah. um, with yeah, who they are in that sense. They don't right. question it really. We, yeah. we question. We go and. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think people people are just as capable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there are stories of when a, a, a mother's son is killed in war. Before she receives the telegram and the news, she like woke up in the middle of the night and she just knew that her son had died. You know? Yeah, you know, the psychic connections people have, and we just generally don't pay attention to them. I really like the concept, or I believe the concept of remembering versus like looking outside or finding. So uncovering something because we're already, like for example, a lot of people say, oh, I need to find love. Mm -hmm. I say, no, you want to uncover the love that already exists mm -hmm. in you. That's great. So Same with yeah. finding money. I need to find money and wealth. Yeah. You know, I need to uncover the wealth and richness within me. Exactly. That's way more powerful. And the same with learning to use intuition in your business. It's not so much you need to learn new skills. It's need, you need to unlearn all the things you did to cover up hearing your intuition uh, that you picked up in school and other jobs. Because I really believe that young children come in with perfect intuition and creativity. 
you know, when they're usually before they're like three years old, they're really in touch with their intuition, they're really in touch with their guides. When little children say they're talking with an imaginary friend, they really are talking with an imaginary friend. But then the adults say, oh no, that's silly, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, you just have to look at them, how free they are, how... Um how they don't give fear like uh, they just they laugh yeah, yeah they they, I, I heard a study that they, they look at how often the adults laugh and how often the little children laugh little children were laughing like three or four hundred times a day adults maybe two or three times mm. <laughs> so yeah there's a lot of un- uncovering to do I think that the loved one is for me was the most powerful like I don't need the love outside I have all the love inside of me and anything I get outside is a bonus mm-hmm. from that place suddenly like you more you get in tune now that's very deep okay because I think you were referring to romantic love but I'm going to extend that to like food movies business money everything because so many people use food as a substitute for love I'm feeling a bit depressed I'm going to have a snack yeah or they use money you know I'm, I'm, I don't feel worthy enough myself so I'm going to make more money yeah or have more sex uh, or whatever you know certain things that like we do up to, to get it from the outside um, yeah changing that changes everything yeah everything every yeah. interaction because then you you are radiating love and light into the world you're not needy anymore you're not like going and validate yourself you're not like looking at you're not like in a state of fear because you have all the love inside of you you don't like yeah. necessarily need like for example one of the biggest fear is being on stage you know mm. presenting I, I've, I've read surveys that said people fear that more than they fear dying yeah and interestingly <laughs> enough one of my challenges were, were, uh, was to uh, appear on stage like mm. doing improv and stuff like that right and I I loved it I didn't have any fear and I mm. think it's because like when I went on stage I just reminded to myself that I have all the love like everything that I get outside is a bonus and and so I could really tune in and and be me in that sense and not fearing if people are going to like me or not going to like me mm-hmm. I like me I like myself yeah. that's enough alright yes uh, and then again you're not in, in a state of fear I mean that's sort of uh, related what's that book Mark Manson just wrote uh, it's so hard not giving a fuck yeah what a great title yeah that sort of relates to that but yeah it speaks a lot of love yourself enough it doesn't really matter what other people are saying or doing uh, it's a bonus. Yeah. We still want the love of others. I would love, like, you know, that you love me right now. And it's oh, to yeah, I love you. Yeah, great. But it, it's a bonus. So yeah, you don't need it. I don't need it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so powerful. It changes, really, for me, it changes everything. Yeah. It changes relationship, changes my, the relationship with everything else. Like that makes sense. That works in a business. You know, if, if you're running your business from, uh, like, I am... I love myself, I love my business, then whether a certain prospect becomes a customer or not isn't really important. You know, we, we don't have to create a meaning of rejection then. Exactly, the rejection. We're, we're giving an offer, either it's a fit or it's not a fit. If it is, it's beautiful. If it's not, it's beautiful. As an entrepreneur, uh, overcoming rejection is probably the number one thing that people need to go through because if you're... 
you wouldn't be a good entrepreneur if you if you're not if you're afraid of rejection. You, you just because you have you want to you want to try certain things, and so I know a lot of people that they they say, oh, I'm not good in marketing. I'm not I mean, that would be like saying if you want to be a runner, you need to learn to put one foot in front of the other because like otherwise you just ain't going to be running. Uh-huh. You know, if you can't make requests of other people and be okay whether they say yes or no. Exactly, and then it, it also it doesn't feel like a risk anymore because okay, they can reject you. Great, I learned something new. Actually, like I think there's a book I don't remember the name, but something about rejection or cards or whatever. You change the belief around rejection. You actually say the more I get rejected, the better in that sense because you almost become immune to that. So it's a, it becomes it becomes a game. Oh, I reject I got rejected five times today. Great. It's like you get a second win when you're yeah. running. So you, you basically go into your fear. So if you're if you're afraid to do cold calling. Go do cold calling. Do 100. Don't do like one or two. You just do 100. Suddenly After the, you've told your mind you're going to do it for one minute, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, that would be the highest level because uh, as an entrepreneur, you want to take risks. And you yeah. wouldn't take risks if you're afraid. If you're yeah. afraid, like, you know, what other people's going to say. But it, it can also be like in a context of career, like with your boss, like getting a raise. Um, uh, even like you know you see a beautiful girl like passing the street and you really feel inside of you go talk with her talk with her and like you're just like mm, no 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 I'm not valuable enough and I don't love you know people I, I want to flip that around you you if you're a woman and you see a, an attractive guy <laughs> great yeah. you go talk with him yeah too. yeah because that's also you know women are generally trained not to do that yeah well as a guy I would love that <laughs> there you go. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, Tal. If people want to learn more about you, how would they find you online? Well, they uh, can Google my name, which is uh, T-A-L Tal, and then the surname is Gurjiwar. Uh, one of the sites will come up. Yeah. And your website is talgur.me yeah. or fullylived.com. Yes two places to find him or you may just follow your intuition and bump into him across the world as he's doing amazing things in different locations thank you great thank you get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com what would it take to see you here next time on the intuitive leadership mastery podcast